Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The gigantic government sucks. Pursuit of happiness. Radio is deluxe. Liberty and freedom will make you smile. The pursuit of happiness on your radio dial. It's just the cheeseburgers and liberty fries. It's pursuit of happiness time. Tomorrow, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. I'm hosting a potluck. That's right. If people bring pot, I'm in luck. The first Thanksgiving was in 1621. 400 years later, it remains an American institution, kind of like President Biden. Trump looks forward to spending Thanksgiving at Mar-a-Lago with friends and co-defendants, I imagine. And I can't wait to see what gets carved up more. The turkey by me or the Washington commanders by the Cowboys. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it? can't call them the Redskins anymore. Thanksgiving, always an awesome day. And, and you know, we have an awesome show for you today before we go on break for a couple of days. You know who's stopping by? My good buddy, Michael Quinn Sullivan, is going to be here from TexasScorecard.com. Austin Peterson stopping by. You might know about him. We're going to talk about what's going down in Argentina. The Argentinians are Argentine, Argentina, Argentine, Argentina later. They've, they've just elected a libertarian president, a libertarian populist. Very interesting guy. We'll talk about that. Meanwhile... Uh, my friend Brandon Morris from redstate.com will be stopping by. And by the way, speaking of redstate.com, I was just looking at a report here about Joe Biden in the aftermath of the meeting that he had with Xi Jinping, the leader of China. China, China basically hoodwinked Joe Biden on fentanyl. Joe Biden's one event yesterday was a meeting on progress made to counter the flow of fentanyl into America. Now, most of these meetings and events seem to be thinly designed campaign promotions. The fentanyl problem's only gotten worse under Biden, so I don't know why he would be bragging about his progress under fentanyl. But listen as Biden tries to tell us how much he's doing. Where are the results? He's also heavily slurring throughout these remarks, which begs the question, is he on fentanyl? While well, in San Francisco, I also met with the president of Mexico. Together, we committed to expanding law enforcement cooperation and intelligence sharing to better disrupt the flow of fentanyl and dismantle the violent chemical groups that traffic synthetic drugs in our communities. Uh, What we see is the people flowing across the border in record numbers and the cartel getting rich, all because Biden wouldn't properly secure the border. And here we've got Biden bragging about his progress on fentanyl. Then Biden said that in his meeting with the dictator of China, The communist agreed to work with the U.S. on targeting the chemical components that were being shipped to Mexico and used to make the drug, fentanyl, which is how it's getting into the country. During my meeting with President Xi, 
We took a critical step of resuming counter-narcotics cooperation between our two countries. It was one of the important things we agreed upon. In, in, in 2019, China essentially stopped direct shipments of fentanyl from China to the United States. But in the years since, the drug trade has evolved. It's moved from finished fentanyl to fentanyl components, like chemicals and pill presses, that are shipped with few controls from China to, uh, Western, to the Western Hemisphere. Okay. Chemical cartels use these components to manufacture the legal, legal substances and smuggle them into the United States. So the United States is going to seek to work together with China to target the fentanyl components. Seriously? Why would anyone believe China is going to do that? Here he says he's going to work with China to limit the amount of fentanyl chemical, the, the ingredients being used for fentanyl, from being shipped to from China over to Mexico where they get sold on our streets. Now, why would you trust China? China brags about the fact that they lie to us. This is part of their culture. It is part of the communist culture. Biden says that he says all this like they aren't involved. If he believes that, he's either incredibly ignorant, he's compromised, maybe he's just been hoodwinked by China. He's talking, how do you take Xi Jinping at his word? I mean, how? I mean, why? They spy on us. China cozies up with our enemies. They threaten our allies. They oppress their own people. They have slavery in their own country. Why would you trust them on this? Exactly what in there says they would do anything to truly help with this problem. There's no real mechanism to check on their compliance. They have no issue. They have no reason to help us. They they succeed when we fail. And this is an issue in which they're profiting financially and by putting drugs on the streets in our country. It's double good for them because they're hurting us twice. And what did he give them or forgive in exchange? That doesn't make any sense. Biden lifted sanctions on a blacklisted forensics lab in exchange for empty promises. Listen to this report. This is from the Daily Mail. The agreement reportedly involves lifting U.S. sanctions against the Institute of Forensic Science, part of China's Ministry of Public Security, which has been blacklisted for alleged abuses against the Uyghurs, you know, the Uyghur Muslims and others since 2020. Remember, they have slave labor in their country. They're committing genocide to the religious minority in their country. A friend of mine, Congressman Wesley Hunt, tweeted about this. He posted a video of John Kirby spokesperson for the State Department, saying Joe Biden is grateful. Xi Jinping has said he was going to be personally responsible for stemming the flow of fentanyl out of China. Uh, the Chinese president's in charge of a single-party state. He's, he's said in the past that he'd cracked down on fentanyl and U.S. debts hit an all-time record last year. I mean, is President Biden not going to consider him personally responsible if American debts do not go down? He has said he was going to be personally responsible for stemming the flow of these chemicals out of china and we're grateful for that that's gonna that's gonna take a little bit of time as he goes back to beijing and puts those processes in place those law enforcement actions we're grateful for that all right so that's what john kirby said in response to this my friend wesley hunt had a great line he said uh this is the equivalent of thanking the arsonist for throwing water on the fire Everything you've heard is a lie. Well, unless you heard it from the mouth of Kenny Webster. All facts. Even the bit about his little Kenny. Hey! Oh, sorry, bro. <laughs> I mean, big Kenny. You're listening to Kenny Webster's Pursuit of Happiness. Not cool. Not cool, bro. 
not cool. Okay, kind of cool. We'll be right back. A man walked down the street. He said, why am I so soft in the middle now? Why am I so soft in the middle? The rest of my life is so hard. I need a photo opportunity. I want a shot at redemption. Don't want to end up cartoon a cartoon graveyard. Wait, I'm sorry. That's, that's weird. That, I think that, that music was rubbing off on me. That's not what I wanted to say. Hi, I'm Kenny Webster. Welcome back from break. It's our last show before Thanksgiving weekend. It's always a good time to look at all the news stories we didn't have a chance to touch on over the last, I don't know, week or so. And I, it's a short work week for me. I'm going to be gone for a couple of days. I assume most of you probably will as well. So I invited my good buddy, Michael Quinn Sullivan, to call in today, uh, a creator of TexasScoreCard.com. I often say he's certainly one of, one of the most dangerous men in Texas politics is a, he is held the leftists and the right-wing rhinos accountable, the so-called right-wingers, when they when they make bold claims and, and say that they care about the, the good of their state, the question is, do they? And I, I will use this person as an example today, Andrew Murr. Andrew Murr was the leader of the Paxton impeachment. He, he was, right? This guy's got a, he's got a very cool-looking mustache. I think that's about all of the good things you could say about Andrew Murr. And uh, Michael, we have interesting news today about the guy that led the impeachment, the botched mutiny of what I, the guy I think is the most effective attorney general in America. Your thoughts? Uh, what's going on with State Representative Andrew Murr, a so-called Republican from Junction, Texas, today? Yeah, Andrew Murr, you know, supposed to be the paragon of all that is good and right in the Texas House of Representatives. Uh, he's apparently decided that he does not want to suffer the indignity and the embarrassment of trying to defend his record in an election. So he is calling it quits. Um, and, 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 and quite honestly, you know, despite the, you know, the chest beating tweets from some of his colleagues, uh, the, the, the rumor inside the Texas Capitol is a lot of these state representatives who, you know, blindly followed Dade Phelan and Andrew Murr, um, you know, off the, you know, off the cliff um, and, and going after Ken Paxton, the attorney general of Texas, uh, they are all terrified about what this means for him. If the, if the ringleader is calling it quits uh, because he's scared of his uh, uh, chances electorally, what does that say for them? A guy who could command lots of money, um, his goodness gracious, his grandfather was the very popular governor of Texas, Coke Stevens, you know, years ago huh. um, from a, a very well-heeled family, lots of money, um, you know, own, they basically own the part of West Texas where his district is, you know, so um, this is a fellow um, who, who has all the advantages and he is worried about defending himself already to GOP um, county uh, parties in his district have censured him. They've said, we're not going to tolerate this guy running around as a Republican um, based not only on the Paxton impeachment scam, but his, uh, but his record. Otherwise, um, you know, they, they found all these reasons to say, we don't want this guy. So, um, so if, if you're one of those rank and file, you know, Dudley do nothings in the Texas legislature, um, you're sitting there saying, oh my gosh, this fellow who has all of the credentials, all the access to money and he 
can't make his record look good, what does that say to the other? So it's a, it's a pretty big deal that Andrew Murr is not seeking re-election. That is fascinating to me. I did not know the thing about Coke Stevenson. and But to the rest of your points, I mean, I'm with you 100% on that. This is a guy who went out and, and really exposed himself as being part of the Bush Republican Party machine. This old These old school, what I refer to as the old right, and I'm sure you'd probably agree with me on that. I, I, I mean, it's just kind of amazing. When you look back on 2023, what was this year really all about? As far as Texas state politics go, it was the year when the rhinos exposed themselves. I mean, Dade Phelan, the Speaker of the House, was appointing Democrats to committee chairmanships, and nobody really cared or noticed for the past couple of years. But now suddenly, after the botched impeachment of Paxton, everybody's noticed. And so for Andrew Murr to step down, that's quite remarkable. I just wonder, Michael, what's what's, what's keeping Dade in politics? Yeah, well, I mean, Dade Phelan um, is has has problems of his own. For example, uh, the governor of Texas um, uh, this past week endorsed all of the Republicans who didn't vote to kill school choice, right? So it's kind of a weak endorsement by Abbott. Um, you know, he's, he's not endorsing the good guys. He's just endorsing guys who weren't strong enough to be bad guys. Right? Okay, sure. Uh, and yeah, and, but but who he pointedly did not endorse for re-election was Dade Phelan. So, you know, if, 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 if you were a guy who really wanted to be a bad guy, but you were too much of a coward to be a bad guy, uh, Dade, uh, Governor Abbott endorsed, endorsed you, right? right. Um, but, but yet Dade Phelan, he's not endorsing. And that's, uh, that, that's kind of telling. Dade Phelan's got uh, three primary challengers, um, uh, at least one of whom is actually really out there actively raising money, knocking on doors. Um, and polling shows that Dade Phelan's not popular in his Once you Yeah, sorry about that. My computer started playing play noise. David Covey of Morrisville is uh, apparently one of the people challenging Dade Phelan for his position. Is that, um, I, I assume that's who you're referring to, the guy that's very active out there? Yeah, that is. He's uh, he's out there really going out there, you know, uh, tearing it up. And, and, and Phelan, know, Phelan has to know his days are numbered. Greg Abbott is not the kind of guy who's going to in, uh, you know, endorse against an incumbent um, or, or leave an incumbent unendorsed unless he just has to. Uh, so, you know, again, all these members are probably right now thinking, why have we been following this clown, Dade Phelan, as the speaker? All right, David seems like a good guy. Uh, we have a lot of mutual friends. I, frankly, I'm excited about his campaign. Do you know anything about Alicia Davis? She's also challenging Dade Phelan for his position. Uh, I honestly don't yet know much about any of them. I do know that Covey um, had been really involved in local Republican politics for a while. Um, but uh, but this lady also um, uh, apparently very involved in the community. Uh, she she filed pretty early on to run against him. I always give people credit uh, for filing, uh, announcing for an office when you know when it when it's more difficult than it, than it is later on. So you know I, again I think all these. Uh, characters all seem to be running for the right reasons, which is to say they're running because Dade Phelan is serving himself rather than representing his constituents. Boy, you explained that perfectly. All right, let's talk about Colin Allred for a minute. This is supposedly the biggest threat to Ted Cruz. This is the guy that's supposed to flip Texas purple. This is the guy's a former NFL player. He's a congressman from, I think, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, very much involved in the BLM movement, very much into critical race theory, that sort of thing. 
And uh, you guys have a report today pointing out how this guy, Ted Cruz's challenger for that Senate seat, has sent $1 million in taxpayer funds to a left-wing group. The president and CEO of Big Thought has been an advocate in the defund the police movement. I wonder if that's going to work well for him in, uh, you know, in, in the biggest red state in America when he's trying to become a senator. Yeah, look, Colin Allred is a is a good reminder um, that the Democrats really don't have any good ideas. They 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 they, they have purged from their uh, from their ranks people who are who are like normal human beings. Colin Allred, okay, yeah, he's an NFL player. I actually didn't know that till I read his biography after he's elected to Congress and played in the NFL. Um, yeah, but he's a fellow who who takes a predictably leftist position on everything. There is no position that he takes that is not just right down the line with the with the left northeastern leftist democratic machine. Um and, and that's all that's tolerated in the Democratic Party. You used to have pro life Democrats. You used to have even pro law and order Democrats. You used to have Democrats who you know, just you know who, who wanted tax cuts. John F. Kennedy was a big advocate for cutting taxes, right? Um you, know, you go down the line, you had uh you used to have diversity of opinion in the Democratic Party. There is no more of that. Uh they it, it, in order to hold office as a Democrat, you've got to be wacky lefty. On the right we've got I mean it's very troubling to us. We've got all these, you know, pro-abortion Republicans, pro-tax increase Republicans, pro-Democrat Republicans. Um, you know, so so the but, but Colin Allred, his record is just of a guy who is not in line with Texans, as you point out, and particularly this little example uh, that the, the, you know, the only a million dollars, you know, when it's other people's money, it's only a million dollars uh, that he's been pushing to this very shady left-wing operation based in Dallas called Big Thought. Uh, that, that what they do is they try to use their uh, their resources to go into public school classrooms and indoctrinate kids on uh, not only Marxist theory but uh, LGBTQ theory, uh, BLM theory, just get in line, all these things that are again very much out of step with Texas voters. And Colin Allred, he's the he's considered the moderate in the Democratic Party. Uh, so you know. Um, it, it, Ted, Ted Cruz probably doesn't have to worry much. Of course, he'll raise money like he's losing. Uh, but but Colin Allred, just a reminder, the Democratic Party um, is full of really bad people. All right. Can you run? I'm, I mean, forgive my ignorance on this. Can you run for the Senate in the House at the same time? I mean, if he loses to Ted Cruz, no. you can't. No, he's, yeah. he, he, he's done. And what, what this also points to is Colin Allred is also this guy, you know, and he, take, he takes the, the down the down the line leftist position on everything um what what folks in congress have told me is he, he's, he's not very personable um the members of congress are liking he's not a good fundraiser um which you know members of congress their first job is to raise money for their party he's not a very good fundraiser um yeah so he, he all that to say and he's not intellectually curious even for a democrat so as a result um no one sees him as going anywhere in congress uh and and what what a number of folks have suggested is that Colin Allred was looking for a reason not to be in Congress, but huh. uh, but you know, so 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 running running and losing for the Senate means he almost guarantees himself a position as a late night commentator on MSNBC.
And, that, and that's kind of what he's working for today. And he hangs out with Cory Booker a lot. Boy, they're very tight. Now, some people, not Weird, me. Yeah, weirdly so. Weirdly so, some, weirdly so. Some people think Cory Booker is a closeted homosexual. That's I'm not suggesting that. I have no. But were you a closeted homosexual? I don't think anybody would be shocked by that. I wouldn't be shocked if there were pictures of Cory Booker dressed up like Marilyn Monroe uh, <laughs> dancing uh, there at the you know there there on the steps of the Capitol. It wouldn't surprise me. I always wonder. And then it's interesting to me. I mean, I don't know. Off topic here. Both senators from South Carolina have never been married to a woman, have never really, like, Tim Scott and Lindsey Graham? I, how did I never notice that until Tim Scott ran for president? <laughs> Look, let's just remember, uh, I said this about the Democrats, you know, there is no diversity of thought. Let's just remember, generally speaking in politics, um, all these guys are weird. People who run for office, the whole office, they're, they're, they're weird. The, these are the guys who, you know, they, they are literally one step below talk radio folks, right? And these are the guys who need a... <laughs> These are the guys who need who need approval. They need everyone to say, "You really, you're the smartest guy in the room, right?" So you know, there there's something there's something off about everyone who holds public office. Oh, you even, nailed even it! The good guys nailed it. My man, Michael Quinn Sullivan. Are you gonna have an awesome Thanksgiving? Man, we are. I'm I'm literally sitting here with my finger hovering over the don't beep button on the timer on my oven so that when the pumpkin pie comes out, your 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 listeners don't get you no. Know, beat with the with the beeping so looking forward to thanksgiving it's a wonderful time going to be with my parents my kids except for one who's with her husband up in you know army land but uh but all the but the rest of the kids it's gonna be fantastic but what about you you've got a uh you are, are you and milton friedman uh going to uh you know have a have a nice uh nice thanksgiving yeah absolutely we're delivering uh meals to reclusive elderly people and uh for crowdsource rescue and then I'm just going to hang out with some friends for at a big old house Thanksgiving people. house party. But you know, all that being said, I always want talk radio guests. I think it's great when there's noise in the background, whether it be the beeping of a pumpkin pie timer or a dog barking or a little kid in the background. I don't think I never feel like that hurts the talk radio segment. I just don't feel the pressure to prevent that alarm from going off. I want your pumpkin pie to taste good, my man. Ah, it did. It's literally the best that and uh, my uh, my grandmother's recipe uh, for dressing are the are the two best things about culinary wise uh, about uh, Thanksgiving for me. Um, turkey, that's great. You know, t- turkey is a side to the dressing for me, and uh, all of the other things are just precursors to getting to eat a pumpkin pie. All by myself. I love I love the Cajun deep fried turkey. I make one turkey. for me and one for everyone else. So. Oh, you make one for you and then for everyone else. I love the deep fried Cajun turkey on on uh, Thanksgiving. I also like ham and prime rib. I guess I could you could just say I oh, like yeah. meat. Does it bother you when people call it stuffing instead of dressing? It does. It bothers me a lot, and it makes me realize <laughs> that I'm talking to people who are from the wrong part of the country. Well, I don't. But, you know, look, look, I get it. I get it. People have to, you know, they have to overcome a lot in their lives, and calling it, you know, calling it stuffing instead of dressing is just one of those things. Well, well, I'm going to go drink a pop, and I'm going to think about what you've just said there, Michael Quinn Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> to the rest of you, I say follow him on social media. Michael Quinn, he's a good follow, guys. You're going to love checking out the work they do at TexasScoreCard.com. Do yourselves a favor. Subscribe to their email list this Thanksgiving. You'll be glad you did. Quick break. Kenny Webster, the best looking dude on radio. And if you've seen the competition, that's not saying a whole hell of a lot. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I wouldn't expect anybody to know this song. It's the national anthem of... It's the Argentinian national anthem. The national anthem of Argentina. The, uh, it's, a, it's a cool song, right? Maybe at the Olympics you would have heard this. You're not going to... FIFA World Cup? Who watches that? Not me. But I will say this. Ar- Argentina looking pretty good this week. What do they got that? Javier Millet. Millet? Is that how you say his name? I don't know a lot about this guy. Uh, his girlfriend is a smoke show. He is described as being like a Ron Paul Republican. The American media compares him to Donald Trump. Because in Spanish, he, he says things like, don't listen to left tards. Which I think is awesome. I mean, that's just, it's beautiful. I think whatever category you choose to put him in, he's a right-wing populist. And this seems to be a thing right now that's sweeping across the country. Uh, Spain has a rejection of socialism that seems to be taking place amongst the the, the populist, right? Uh, South America, here you've got this Javier gentleman. And even over there in, uh, what, last weekend in Louisiana, a lot of small government, right-wing Republican characters won statewide elections. It was right down the street from our studio here in Houston, Texas. Not a bad time to be a right-wing populist. That's why I reached out to one of my favorite right-wing populists, liberty-minded people, my good friend Austin Peterson of the uh, Austin, you do an interesting show. You do a podcast early in the morning. It's the uh, the Wake Up Show, right? Yeah, the Wake Up America Show. Yeah, Happy Turkey Day, Happy Thanksgiving, Happy Holidays to all of our friends down in Texas. Um, yeah, I'm the host of the Wake Up America Show. You know, what I was thinking you should have played a song, the song "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina." Evita Peron, right, from the musical Evita. People probably know that from the Madonna fame, but of course, she's a far-left socialist, and so was the government of Argentina until all of a sudden they just took a, a ride on the crazy train, baby, and they've come all the way to the other side of things. This Javier Malay is being compared to Donald Trump. I think it's just because he's got colorful language and he kind of he looks like a like the fifth member of the Beatles, you know. It's like Ringo Starr and George Michael. Like if they had had a if they had had a kid, right? That's what he looks like. But he's a fiery radical. He calls himself an anarchist. Right? The, the technical term for it is called an anarcho-capitalist. But Beautiful. He's kind of a love it. Yeah, he, yeah, he's an anarchist in the in the streets, but a minarchist or a constitutionalist in the sheets, right? So his policies are right down the line with what we believe. Austin, so well said. Hang on, I've got I've got the jam here. It won't be easy. You'll think it's strange. We're not going to actually listen to the Avita soundtrack, but I'm glad you reminded me of that. I forgot all about it. A long time ago, <laughs> when you and I were just young kids, Madonna was pretty. It's hard to imagine, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I, things have improved a lot since then, to be honest. Not in Madonna's world, but in our world, because 
when you see what ha- what's happening in Argentina, his his election is shaking things up, not just in Argentinian politics, but in politics here, because everyone in the United States is trying to figure out, you know, get their finger on who this guy is. I mean, you've got you've got so many diverse views and opinions on the right, uh, you know, conservative, populist, you know, libertarian, you know, what do, what do these terms mean, and where does Javier Malay fall in these things? Well, he is really right down the line, doctrinaire, Milton Friedman style, you know, Friedrich Hayek, Ludwig Mises. The, the people, think of it like this. For, for people who know Ronald Reagan or Margaret Thatcher, if they, if they have an inkling or an understanding of the kinds of policies that they advanced, Javier Malay is basically like the brain behind those administrations. So there's this famous story from back in the 1980s when Margaret Thatcher took office. She took a copy of a book called The Road to Serfdom by Friedrich Hayek, and she slammed it down, and she famously said, This is what we believe. And that book by Friedrich Hayek was the the epitome of what Javier Malay believes, which is what we call Austrian economics. So if, if you were looking, I mean, if you like Donald Trump, think Donald Trump, but an economist, yeah. right? Uses curse words, uh, viva la libertad carajo, right? Uses curse words, in, you know, obviously they're all in Spanish, right? And, <laughs> Good, because I don't you know, know what you just Donald said, Trump. but I'll, I'm going to allow it, even though I don't know if it was okay for the radio or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Texas, so I imagine some of the listeners might know. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the thing about him is that he's basically Donald Trump if, he was a, if Donald Trump was a super brain, right? Not just kind of like a brash, you know, Hollywood businessman type. He's basically a brainiac an economist, and but his job's cut out for him, Kenny. 140% inflation, right? Four out of 10 people in Argentina live in poverty. They've, they, they've had droughts. Their agriculture industries in shambles. They're desperate. So they've turned to people like you and I who have the ideas that you and I have and said, you fix it. So it's it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, you. the inflation thing is so interesting. I don't know how many people realize that, but down in Argentina... The over the past three years, I mean, three years, Austin, I, I saw this statistic yesterday. I think I'm getting these numbers right. They said their their peso down there was worth 80 of their pesos was worth a dollar three years ago. Now it's a thousand pesos equals one American dollar. I mean, that is shockingly bad. And we think our inflation's out of control. Just imagine what theirs looks like. At the same time, I mean, this guy tugging on my heartstrings here. I have a dog named Milton Friedman. He has a dog named Milton Friedman, and I don't know what kind of dog he has, but you and I both have French Bulldogs. I feel like you, me, and Javier could get together and have a bourbon and hang out, Austin. <laughs> yeah, he's also got a dog called Conan the Barbarian. Right? Love it. So he's, Love uh, it. He's, he's, he's right down the line. You know, if Kenny and Austin were economists and Argentinian and we had, you know, booksome double D blondes on our hips, then, you know, we'd be like, you know, right there with Javier Malay. But, you know, he, he does face a real challenge. He's not a dictator. He has to work with the government. It's a bicameral legislature down there, similar to ours in the United States. He's got to convince the Evita Perones of the world, who are still in, in the legislature there, to pass his, his agenda. And, you know, when you run on a campaign of calling them leftards <laughs> and not giving them an inch, he's going to have a real problem trying to, to fix the economy. Now, what he's proposed 
is what we call dollarization, right? He wants to not just peg his his peso to dollars. He wants to replace the the peso with dollars. So just get rid of them, which is hard because there aren't a whole lot of dollars in Argentina. Now, I, I have been doing some reading. They, there is a possibility that amongst the private citizenry, they may have enough dollars, squ- you know, shoveled away because people, of course, hide their money. Sure. And there's a social re- regime who wants to steal it from them. But he needs $30 billion in cash in order to dollarize that economy. Nobody knows where he's going to get that from because that country has already defaulted on their sovereign debt three times. And they are in debt to the World Bank by the tune of $40 billion. So it's going to be a real challenge. The American media doesn't know what to think of this guy. They want to hate him for obvious. They want it. That's why they keep comparing him to Trump because he says, you know, brash things and stuff like that. It's like, fine. Okay. He's a right wing populist. Not, I, and I think that's all he really has in common with Trump because he's a Ron Paul guy. If you look at his policies, you know, but Ross Perot, Donald Trump, Ron Paul, they were all great right-wing American populists. God bless all three of them. With, obviously, they're all a little different, but and so is this guy. He's a right-wing populist. So the American media wants to hate him, right? But I'll be the first to admit, I don't really understand Argentina politics either. Like, is this a guy that's got to worry about getting murdered? Do you think that... Yes. He does. Yes, he is absolutely, yes. He absolutely, because it's common down there for people who try and shake up politics to be murdered. And there's nobody like him down there. His vice president isn't even like him exactly because people like you and I and he are, are rare as hen's teeth, Kenny. So if he gets killed, there's nobody to to continue those kinds of policies because not a lot of people know exactly what we know. We, they don't have the secret knowledge, if you will. They're not in the, the club, the, the Bilderbergs of liberty, if you will. Um, so, But here's the thing. He is like Donald Trump in one important way. And that is that he understands that culture will affect the the way people feel towards government and the, how they feel towards society. He he believes in in fighting cultural Marxism. He believes in fighting wokeism and leftism. He wants to. He he thinks that his followers, his supporters, and people around the world should engage in a cultural battle, a cultural war, in order to fight back against things like fat acceptance. Drag queen story hours, um, uh, you know, the, the kinds of things that we fight here in the United States, you know, Bud Light going woke. I, I read this morning that Fruit Loops is now trying to indoctrinate kids by giving them free books on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So these are the things that make Javier Malay like Donald Trump. They fight the same cultural battle against socialists. The difference, the difference between the two are things like you know, Javier Malay believes in free trade. Donald Trump believes in tariffs. Javier wants lower corporate taxes. Trump probably wants to regulate the corporations a little bit more when it comes to tax rates. But there's a lot of similarities in terms of economics as well. It's just that Javier, again, has that more Ron Paul style of 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 uh, of economics. Now, the Ron Paul Institute, actually, this week, they've already thrown Javier under the bus because he's not libertarian enough. They never, no, they never are. They never are. They never are. The reason.com <laughs> described him as a, as a self-proclaimed libertarian. Like, Jesus, guys. Can, this is, wasn't it Milton Friedman who actually made the point that the end goal should just be liberty? It shouldn't, it shouldn't be to see how far we can take it, right? But just, 
just to have enough of it to the point where we're all free. Because there's always going to be somebody that doesn't want it. Hey, before you go, Austin, I wanted to play a funny soundbite for you. I'm not into like... I'm not really into video game streaming, but this just scrolled across my news feed right before I called you, and I thought you'd get a kick out of this. I guess this guy is a left-wing video game streamer. I'm just going to play a quick soundbite for you. I want to get your reaction. Break the machine that powers these societal evils. If capitalism is allowed to survive, we will not. Okay, hang on a second. I mentioned at the beginning of the video that this episode was made possible by Henson Shaving. Austin? <laughs> is, that, is that great? Is that great? Isn't that awesome? What I, I love it. I, I love it. I couldn't breathe earlier when I watched that clip. If that's not immediately funny to the people listening to us, I don't if you explain it's the like, joke, it's like it the sucks. gays for Gaza. You know what I mean? It's like the the homos for Hamas. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, you know what I'm talking about? These of course. people, they they just they don't understand. They don't know what the hell they they believe. Queers for Palestine. Hey, folks, my buddy Austin Peterson is a. Uh, He's as smart as he is funny. I've always been a fan of him uh, when he ran for Senate in Missouri and ran under the LP presidential ticket. I encourage you to check out his podcast. You don't have to necessarily listen to it early in the morning if that's not when you're awake. I get it. You guys might listen to local talk radio here in Houston early in the morning. And, I, and you know, obviously I do encourage you to do that. But check out Austin Peterson's Wake Up America. Follow him on Twitter. You'll love it. And uh, it's, it's a good follow. That's on Spotify and iHeart and all that stuff, right, Austin? It is, yeah, the Wake Up America Show. You can also just find it at the website, wakeupamericashow.com. And I'm AP4Liberty on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks a lot, Kenny. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, you too, my man. Have a good Thanksgiving. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Pursuit of Happiness Radio. You are now in tune to the sound. I want to have one of those obvious conversations for just a minute because I think it needs to be said. You probably notice nobody watches the WNBA, right? The very people that shame you for watching the not watching the W, they don't watch the WNBA. Say it's not fair. Women's basketball doesn't pay as much as men's basketball does. It's like, okay, fine, but. You feminists are not watching the WNBA games, so why does that make me a bad guy? And at the top of the second half, it's 16-9. to 9. Easton leads the scoring with four. And that's why she commands $7,000 a year. These gals sure do make it look difficult. But is having this minor skill worth being so unattractive? That's for the fan to decide. Yay! Yay! Is this a spoiled, pampered, narcissistic Hollywood brat, or what? Or what? All right. Well, here's another one of those examples, right? If the, if nobody's watching the WNBA, including the feminists, who's watching Marvels? The the Marvels is that what this is? I mean, I haven't seen it. It's Brie Brie Larson. You know who that is, right? She's a, very pretty. That's fine, okay. And uh, she's a superhero. That's that's her thing. She's a superhero, and she's Captain Marvel, right? I think so. I think I'm getting this right. You didn't watch it. Neither did I. Nobody else did either. Nobody went to go see this, and you're a sexist because of that. But again, the very feminists that are telling you you're a sexist didn't go see it. Here are the details on the report. It's my good friend Brandon Morris 
from redstate.com. Brandon, the failure of the Marvels proves what exactly? Oh, this, that you're a sexist. You in particular. Me? I can't believe you. Me? Why didn't you go see this movie? Why didn't you go see the movie? Because I, I was busy uh, defending the rights of women. I was marching with a, with a kitty hat on in the feminist march. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I didn't go see it because I am a sexist. Oh. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> fair. <laughs> fair. No, no, fair point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's the fact that you know they keep throwing these this accusation of sexism and, and misogyny at, at audiences. But the funny part is, is I mean, like if you actually look at the the way that the turnout happened, uh, sexism is not an issue. Most men, most of, most of the people who turned out to watch the Marvels were in fact men. In fact, I think the the final tally was sixty one percent men and then like thirty five percent women who went and saw the Marvels. So it's not sexism. It's primarily men that are propping up Marvel as, as it stands. Um, sexism is honestly, in my opinion, just kind of a lousy excuse for lousy writing, lousy PR maneuvers, and lousy politics. All right? That's what it is. They, 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 Disney Marvel has taught people not to show up and watch their movies because they know that if they do, they're just going to get indoctrinated. You know, like all have all this indoctrination and message for storytelling shoved in their face. And I mean, like you, you kind of trip up at the finish line. No, I wouldn't see the finish line. Sorry. The Marvel's only brought in like 47,000 or $47 million box office opening weekend with a 78% drop in viewership after that. One of the reasons is because Brie Larson, the, the woman that you mentioned earlier, is pretty much representative of Disney Marvel's like weird, weird obsession with inserting feminism into its movies. And so people have learned, don't show up to watch these movies. Don't show up with anything that has Brie Larson in it. You know, it was doomed to fail from the very beginning. That's all it is. And, and, and like you said earlier, you, know, you make a, a very good point. If it is sexism, then we're all the feminists. Where all the feminists who were supposed to show up and watch this movie to prop it up? Where are they? They didn't show up to watch it either. They yeah, didn't. Yeah, it they, was mostly men. They did not go watch it. No, it, it does remind me. Now, if I'm not mistaken, didn't this kind of happen with the Black Panther sequel as well? The first Black Panther did quite well. If I'm not mistaken, the second one didn't do yeah. as well. I, I don't know. I, I saw the first one, and I my problem with it wasn't even that it was woke. It was the terrible CGI animation for the rhinos and the hippos and stuff is a very really bad looking animated animals near the end of the movie but you know on that note yeah. south park recently made headlines for their new episode it's an hour-long special called panderverse in which they make yeah. fun of disney and they trash disney hard for making every everything put a black lesbian in it put a black lesbian in it and make it lame <laughs> And they did. Yeah, that's it. And they did this, and then 24 hours later, Snow White basically gets canned. They pushed it back a year. They're going to change the whole premise. They're going to actually right. have dwarves in it. And then what? What's the woman that was supposed to star in it? Rachel Zegler. I feel Zegler, like she, yeah. she's now the kiss of death for whatever she's in. Didn't they just put her in the new Hunger Games franchise? What's the latest on that? Uh, so the Hunger Games franchise isn't exactly bringing in all that much either. Given you know it's a it's it's the it's the eve of Thanksgiving. Not a lot of people are going out to the movies right now. Okay, um, which is you know so. Um, but I mean, still, Rachel's that Rachel Zegler is probably going to be a untouchable person at this point in time. You know, she was I'd already worked on the Hunger Games long before the whole thing with Marvel started. 
So I, I, they were going to push that out anyway. But, I mean, note that it does not do well anyway. I mean, the, the, the box office numbers that these movies are bringing in right now are just god-awful, and for good reason. Too much of it. I say Disney Marvel has taught us not to show up to their, you know, their political campaign fests. But kind of all of Hollywood has done that, with very few exceptions. You know, why, why should we go just to be preached at? It's annoying. I don't want to be preached at. You don't want to be preached at. We want to sit down and go into another world for a second, whether that world is like some planet far off or, you know, a bunch of dudes fighting in fighter jets. You know, that's what we want. That's what we're there for. We're, we're there for apolitical fun. That's what we're there for. If you're sitting there saying, oh, you know, you need to see this, and if you don't, then there is something – There's some you suffer from some leftist social sin or some social sin according to the left then you've kind of given the middle finger to your audience already. And, you know, you shouldn't be surprised when they walk away. Yeah. Stop attacking your audience. Stop. So the new film is called Songbirds and Snakes. I, I'll be honest with you. I like the Hunger Games franchise. I always thought it was cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I never agreed with Jennifer Lawrence's politics, but I always thought the story was neat. And it, they did it very well. And it's very libertarian, if you think about it, because even near the end of the oh, movie, yeah. The, she rages against communism. They make communism look like it's the good guy. And then at the end, she says no to communism. Now, all that being said, this Songbirds and Snakes, uh, $44 million domestic. Let's compare that to the other ones. Hunger Games, $286 million. Catching Fire, $440 million. Mockingjay Part 1, $418 million. Mockingjay Part 2, $371 million. Now you're at $44 million. Now, granted, it's only been out for a week, but still, you got to admit... He's our, this is a, 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 an absolute catastrophe for Hollywood if those are the oh, yeah. kind of numbers they're making. Oh, yeah. And let's also like look at the fact that Hollywood just can't seem to get a fresh idea in their mind. They're reaching back into stuff that you love and dragging it back to the forefront and trying to package it as something new and then selling it back to you. And it's like, we've done this before. It's, it's been done. It's, it's been done really well. We don't need it done again. But they're preying on your, uh, your, your nostalgia, effectively. Hey, remember that thing that you really like? Do you like Care Bears? Well, here's a new Care Bears movie, you know, where the Care Bears are now grown up and they're, you know, they're, they're more adult now. And, and instead of shooting rainbows out of their bellies, they, they, fire, <laughs> they fire rainbow bullets. You know? Right. Like, and they're trans. Stupid. Of course they're That's trans. Right. They're, all, <laughs> they're all trans and feminist now. <laughs> Hey, Brandon, I gotta, we're going to run out of time here. i got to get you back next week because I wanted to talk to you. You have this interesting prediction about violence, increasingly more violence in the coming months. So I want to have you back next week after Thanksgiving Absolutely. to talk a little bit about that. But, hey, before we run, it is Thanksgiving, and this is the end of the show for us. we got to bounce after this. What is my friend Brandon Morris at RedState.com doing for, for Thanksgiving this year? You're a dad now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're we're heading down the street to uh, I say down the street down the highway to our aunt and uncle's house, and there's going to be turkey and and just you know a small get together because you know being a father of a one year old makes long distance travel and big gatherings a little harder to do, you know. So we're keeping it quiet and low key this year. Yeah, my brother. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you, my man. That's Brandon Morris. You can find him on Twitter, X, whatever you choose to call it now. And check out his work at redstate.com. To the rest of you, I love you all. I hope you have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Please do not drive drunk over the coming days. We need you back here bright and early Monday morning for more of what you bought a radio for. Have an awesome weekend. God is good. This is not your final form, as my friend Brandon often says. You are listening to the pursuit of happiness radio. Tell the government to kiss your ass when